This is Creeps Anonymous. Chili Pepper String Lights swam in front of Olivia as she blearily watched her sweaty reflection in Adobe Blues' mirror backsplash. She swayed on her bar stool, blinking to sharpen her vision, but she found it hard to focus on anything right now. Jess couldn't drive here any sooner if she tried. Olivia was normally good at holding her liquor, but there was something about trying to drown an awful week that made the alcohol feel disorienting. She wanted to pick up, have a simple drink, but Dima was keeping her waiting again, making her meet him after his blues jam. She rolled her eyes. Hopefully, Jess would get here quick enough to avoid him trying to take her home again to warm his bed. She'd stopped imagining long ago that she could trust her own inner compass when it came to mixing alcohol and not-so-old complications. It was time to call in outside forces to save her from herself. The phone buzzed next to her drink and she unlocked it to check her messages. Hey, caught up with class. I don't think I'm going to make it out to the show tonight. She groaned, putting her cold drink against her throbbing head. It wasn't Jess's fault that she was finishing up pre-med. Jess actually wanted to make something of her life, unlike herself, just kind of pickling away at the nearest watering hole until cirrhosis or an accident finally put her out of her misery. She'd lost the taste for taking matters into her own hands recently, so she respected anyone who had the motivation to do anything nowadays, with the pandemic, economic turmoil, and student loans lurking around every corner. Olivia wondered when she'd finally come around to wanting to make something of herself, or if that would ever really happen. She felt a clap on her back and turned to see Dima standing there, like he'd been summoned by her thoughts. He shifted the strap of his base on his shoulder and gestured towards the door. All set, he asked. I have the weed in my car. She promised herself nothing fishy this time, just a hello and an exchange of money for a mason jar of drugs, the usual. Except tonight, with the blues playing and a belly full of beer, she felt a destructive burn in her core. She hated herself a little more than usual during high-pressure times like this, her body roiling on the inside, like a defined snarl, feeling like the only thing that would make her feel better was an argument or a fistfight. And like bad situations usually started, she figured to herself, maybe another drink would put her in a better mood. Do another shot with me, she said, shouting over the loud music they turned up in the bar. He gave her a brief, disbelieving once-over, and then gestured his chin to the bartender, who brought back two glasses and a bottle of nausea-yellow tequila. The bartender gestured towards limes behind the bar, and both her and Dima shook their heads. He flipped his rag over his shoulder and gave them a nod, leaving Olivia to look down into oblivion in her tiny little shot glass. She did her best to keep her focus on Dima as they clinked glasses. Olivia felt the trickle down her fingers of tequila as she downed the glass and felt it burn all the way through her. The familiar tingling queasiness washed like a hot lick down her body, and she fought the sudden urge to vomit. Olivia took a hard swallow, slammed the glass back down on the bar, and started heading for the door. The cold, wet air hit her face outside, and she shivered hard, pulling her hoodie tight around her. Dima came out after her and lit a cigarette against the cold. She watched the lighter illuminate his craggy face and pool in his blue-gray eyes, so much so like Max's sometimes. Olivia blew into her cold hands and rubbed them together to keep the blood flowing. Dima took a long drag on a cigarette and watched her from behind the glowing ember. Have you been, kiddo? Oh, you know, Jim, she said, putting on a 1920s gun mall accent. A bad better. Not bad, huh? He asked, handing her the cigarette. She felt herself swaying, standing still, accepting the cigarette gratefully. Some days are okay, mostly, but some of them really take you out at the knees. I didn't really expect it to be like that, not really. 
She didn't know how this was going to go, talking about Max, the grief. It hadn't gone well the last time around or any other time they tried to broach things, really. Emma gave her a long look, hard to read like he always was, but there was no judgment or irritation in it like she expected there to be. He didn't say or do much of anything, just contemplated her for a moment before reaching out his hand. She pulled the cigarette out of her mouth and offered it back to him, but he surprised her by leaning down and scooping her up into his arms. Olivia shook her head, still holding the cigarette perched between her fingertips. I thought you wanted the cigarette. Oh, I still do. You can pop that in here, he said, scrunching his mouth over to her hand. You were kind of just having a leaning tower of Pisa moment there. Oh, she said, feeling an absurd laughter suddenly bubble up into her chest. She wasn't a petite lady by any means, so feeling suddenly dwarfed by Dima felt hilarious and somewhat confusing. She placed the cigarette between his lips again and went sort of limp against his shoulder. He spoke around his cigarette, looking straight ahead. Liv, you not living at home right now? She looked up at him, taken aback. How did you know that? Last couple of times I've seen you drive the opposite direction away from home to leave, and... I've seen you wear that shirt a couple times now since I've seen you, he said gently. Oh, she said, slumping into him, feeling suddenly not very sexy at all and more like she wanted to put her head into sand. No, you're good, he said, rearranging her in his arms. Ash? She blinked and then plucked the cigarette out of his mouth to ash it and then put it back in. Thanks, he said. I don't say this to make you feel bad or anything. I just know what living out of your car looks like. Are you good? Olivia paused. You're not taking me home to sleep with me, are you? No. <laughs> Good Lord, you probably pass out on me again. I'm making sure you get home okay. I just want to know where to take you. She looked up at the square line of his jaw and the point where it met his ear and then went up into his face, realizing that he was looking down at her. That was when she realized that, despite all of the stupid things he'd ever uttered and all of the half-truths he'd used as excuses, he was still there to make sure she didn't bust her head open trying to get home. I miss Max so fucking much, she said suddenly. My parents are splitting up, and the bank took the house. That's a lot, he said simply. She nodded, almost serenely, so deep in it now that it all just seems sort of every day. I have no idea what to do, except for drinking myself into a stupor. Well, as your weed dealer, I'm going to have to preface this by saying that I'm not a therapist, and maybe I'm the worst person to tell you what to do, but the health you're looking for may not end up coming out of a shot glass, and... I say this as someone who's watched people close to them struggle. All that said, when we get back, I should roll you spliff. She rested her head against his chest and fell into the soft, rocking lull of being carried. Something about it made her feel like a kid again, falling asleep in the living room and being carried off to bed by her father at bedtime. The memory made her start to cry against Dima's scratchy track jacket. Go ahead and cry if it makes you feel better, Dima said from around a cigarette. Dima? She asked. Yeah, kiddo. Stop being so nice to me. She muttered into the fabric of his coat, sniffing back up her dripping nose. Teal. You gotta stop totaling yourself like a Grand Theft Auto character, though, he said, sweeping her over the sidewalk in a sailing motion. Olivia held on to him and laughed, knowing he was right, despite being Dima. Wasted, he laughed to himself, and then he looked down at her with his expression that always reminded her of a bemused big bear. I'm serious, though. Max isn't around to keep an eye on you anymore, and you know I'm bad at this stuff. She looked back at him for a moment, hooking her chin onto his shoulder, and then watching the sidewalk stretch away behind them. I know, dude. It was pretty close to first light when Olivia slipped quietly back into the motel room. 
Her mother was fast asleep on the bed, one slice of yellow light sitting across her dreaming face. It was the most peaceful she'd seen her in years, yet she still looked sort of pressed, even when sleeping. She grabbed her pillow and an extra hoodie and headed for the bathroom, tossing them onto the tile floor next to the tub. Plugging in her headphones, she kicked on a playlist and slipped on the hoodie for warmth. Olivia stared up at the stained ceiling. The memories and conversation of the night were already playing back in her head as sleep eluded her. Max isn't around to keep an eye on you anymore, and you know I'm bad at this stuff. She scoffed. Who wasn't bad at this stuff? It wasn't that Max was especially good at solving his problems. He didn't, in the end, solve anything but his immediate pain, which made her angry, even though she ultimately understood. It wasn't like she needed anyone to keep an eye on her anyways. There was no use letting someone in who didn't feel like sticking around and doing the job. She rolled over on her side, tracing the spackled-over cracks in the old motel tub. Olivia closed her eyes and tried to take a picture in her head of what the next few days, months, years looked like. The rest of it had to be different, right?